You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and if you don't have a Bible... Uh, There are those that have been provided for you in the front or the back of the pew in front of you, rather. Uh, Acts chapter 2, Acts would be the fifth book of the New Testament, the second half of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. So as you're making your way there, um, there is also space provided for you. Just want to make you aware of this in your worship guide this morning. If you would want to take notes, and I would encourage you to do so, so that you can come back and reference those later as God speaks to your heart this morning. That man is the very man who would begin preaching the resurrection of Jesus without apology and without fear and without any doubt in his mind just 50 days later. Jesus, the risen Christ It had been more than 50 days since the world was turned upside down by a Jewish rabbi from Galilee whose name is Jesus. In just three years' time, Jesus swept the entire Jewish countryside with his preaching and his teaching. His miracles were attracting thousands of people, people of all ages, as he healed the sick and raised the dead. As he gave sight to the blind and cast out demons and turned water into wine and controlled the weather and fed 5,000 people with only one boy's small lunch. His convicting confrontation of sinners, his deep love for those who were lowly and outcast, the radical call that he gave to discipleship, come and follow me led many to spend their entire lives leaving everything to follow Jesus. He forever left His mark on the world. What's more, He claimed to be the very Son of the living God, the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. And the world was literally shaken as they put Jesus to death by Roman crucifixion. Jesus of Nazareth was dead. There were rumors that began to circulate throughout Jerusalem that the tomb was empty. Rome had sealed the entrance with a heavy stone. They placed Roman guards beside the entrance of the tomb. But within three days, the guards were gone and the stone was rolled away. Some said that the body of Jesus had been stolen. Others said that the body had been taken by the disciples and moved. More than 500 people were reporting that Jesus was in fact alive and that he had appeared personally to them. The reports of miraculous activity that had happened during the time of Jesus continued for some time until 40 days later when all went quiet. And there was a small group of about 120 believers who remained And they were meeting together and praying and learning. And then the miraculous happened yet again. It was as if Jesus himself was there in the midst of this 120 disciples. The Bible tells us that they were all together in one place and that suddenly there was a loud sound like a mighty rushing wind that filled the entire place where they were sitting And they all began to speak in what might be called a heavenly language. Thousands of people began to gather at the sound. And they were mystified 
They could not believe what they were hearing for all of these disciples spoke in an unknown language and yet they all heard and understood in their own languages together at one time. As they heard and they told of the mighty works of God, Peter wanted to remove any doubt concerning the events of Jesus. And so he rose. He rose to declare the truth about Jesus, that he was alive and that although he had been put to death by a Roman cross, Jesus had risen from the dead and death could not hold him. Church, we are gathered here this morning and singing praises to Almighty God and singing with great joy in our hearts and celebrating the baptism of one who has put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we are in much the same setting. Jesus is alive and well in this place. And I want you to hear with very little room for doubt this morning that he who died once for the salvation of sinners on the third day rose again and he is alive because death could not hold him. We need to hear the news of Jesus power over death again and again and again, certainly We need to hear it this morning and we need to be reminded that the very same God who has power over death has power over everything else in our lives. And so hear the word of the Lord this morning. Would you stand with me as we read together God's word? Acts chapter two and verse twenty two. Men of Israel. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And skipping down to verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Father God, we pray that this very morning, your gospel, the truth of the risen Christ would ring across this place, not just in ears, but in hearts. God, may the resurrection of Jesus set firmly upon our hearts in order that we as believers would be reminded and would be once again convicted that Jesus is alive and that all that we are and all that we have, we owe to Jesus Christ. I also pray that those in this room who are without Christ, who are far from God, that today you would convict their hearts of sin. They too would be cut to the heart, seeing a need for Jesus Christ 
for a savior and that they would cry out to you in repentance. God, that you would save. We pray you would do these things for the glory of your name and your son, Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Acts chapter 2, if you are familiar with the book of Acts, is the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, as it's been called. While on earth with his disciples, Jesus predicted that there was coming a day when he would die and he would be in the ground for three days and that on the third day he would rise again and that he was ultimately going away. And he was going to prepare a place for all of those who followed him as his disciples, who trusted in him for salvation. But in his absence, he was going to send one like himself, the one who is the Holy Spirit called the Comforter, who would guide and continue to teach them and lead them into all truth and convict the world of sin and righteousness. Well, this is the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And what we find is that this very Holy Spirit was the continuing living presence of Jesus Christ within the church. And so the life and presence and power of Jesus among them as they prayed, as they worshipped, became incredibly evident to the crowd that gathered there in Jerusalem for the feast. The crowds didn't know how to explain what they were seeing The speaking in various tongues and the hearing in various languages. But there was no doubt, there was no doubt that they were experiencing God's power. They didn't know that it was Jesus among them. They were witnessing His continued presence and power in the church. Church, can I say to you this morning that the life of the church should be witness to the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. The life of the church should give witness to the risen Jesus to a dying world. A church that is alive gives witness that Jesus is alive. You see, when we experience God's miraculous power to save the lost, when we are able to baptize one whom God has called and God has saved, when we experience the change in a sinner's heart, when we see God restore and heal what sin has so desperately broken, we give evidence to the fact that Jesus is in fact risen and alive and that He has raised sinners from death to life. Ephesians chapter 2 says that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We were raised with Christ as followers of Jesus. The church was alive because Jesus was alive and the world was taking notice I wonder if the world takes notice of what is happening here. And so because they were taking notice, the church could not keep silent. The people were confused about what they saw. And their confusion demanded truth. Beyond that, the people that were there were guilty of sin. After all, in fact, they had murdered the very son Of God. They nailed him to the cross. They were under God's judgment. They needed salvation. And this is a message that confronts every single human heart, both on that day and every day since. We must not keep silent about the truth of God's Word. The truth of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that He died once for sinners and that that death is sufficient for eternal life and that all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus will be saved. We must not keep silent about the need for forgiveness. We must not keep silent about the hope of eternal life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Without Him, there is no hope. You see, if death could not hold Jesus, then we as His church 
must not be silent about the message of the gospel. And so Peter, with great resolve, rises to speak. Men of Israel, hear these words. You might hear this in the same way. All people everywhere hear these words. And he describes the days of Christ and His ministry, the reality of Jesus' crucifixion, but then he gets down to verse 24 and gets to the heart of his message when he says, God raised Him up. Loosing the pains of death, and don't miss this, because it was not possible for Him to be held by it. It wasn't possible. It was impossible for Jesus to remain in the grave. And so Peter's message to them and to us this morning is this. Death has no binding power over Jesus. Death has no binding power over Jesus. Now it's important for you to understand why this matters so much. Because death is in the world Not because of Jesus, but because we've all turned away from Jesus. It it was the hands of lawless men that put Jesus to death. But it was the hands of lawless men and women and children that brought death into the world to begin with. We are lawless men. Romans 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, listen to this, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Every one of us. The the death that Jesus faced was not just a physical death. It is the reality of life. God didn't create the world that way. Death entered the world because of our sin. And the reality is that death is not just something we face. It is binding. It's something that must be loosed. It binds us without... We have no power. We have no strength. No answers in and of ourselves... To answer this problem of death, we are bound and it has us in a chokehold. Without Jesus, there's no hope. This, by the way, is the very death Jesus came to die. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die to satisfy a debt that he had to God. Jesus died to satisfy a debt that we have to God. And what Peter says is that when Jesus died that death and rose again, he dealt the death blow to death itself. It was not even possible for it to hold him because he loosed the pangs of death. He loosed them. He's not bound by them and he loosed them from us. Peter says for Jesus' death was different. We're helpless as we face death. But Jesus is not bound at all. And so in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice very carefully that Peter says not just that Jesus defeated death, but that it was not possible from the very beginning for him to be held by it. Jesus did not go to the cross wondering if he would rise from the dead. Jesus already declared that he would rise from the dead. Jesus 
rising from the dead is only the fulfillment of not only his words spoken while he was on earth, but his words spoken from eternity past. The very word of God fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus. He was never bound by death. In fact, it's not possible that death could ever get one over on him. No one determined how long Jesus would remain in the grave. He determined that. He set the time frame. No one else rolled the stone away. Jesus did that. No one could stop him, no matter how much they sealed the grave or how many soldiers they put in place or how much of the world they had against him. If Jesus was standing alone against the rest of creation and he was, then it doesn't change the reality that he still has all power over death. Because death has no binding power over him. It wasn't possible. Peter wants us to know this so much that he gives us three very clear reasons why it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. And I want you to see those here in this passage. First, death has no binding power over Jesus because Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God's son. Notice verse 22 with me. When Peter says, men of Israel, hear these words. He then begins to describe to them who Jesus is. First, in a way that they would recognize the one he was talking about. It is Jesus of Nazareth, not any other Jesus you may know. I'm talking about the one who is from Nazareth, the one who taught in Galilee, the one who did all of the miracles and the mighty works and the wonders and the signs, the one whom you put to death. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. You need to know that this man was attested to you by God. That's the first thing he says about him in doing these works. And that God did these miracles through him in your midst. And he says, as you yourselves know. It was no secret that Jesus was different. It was no secret that Jesus was just some rabbi. The problem that the world had with Jesus was not that they didn't know who he was. It's that they didn't want him to be who he was. They didn't want to submit their lives to him because it was plain and obvious that Jesus was not some good teacher. That Jesus was not just some earthly king, but that Jesus was the very son of the living God. And every miracle and every fulfilled prophecy demonstrates that reality. That Jesus is God in human flesh. We know this from John chapter 1 when John tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Only begotten of the Father means it's this idea of the the one and only one-of-a-kind God. There is no one like Him in all the earth. Why? Because He is God in human flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Death has no power because Jesus was walking around as deity. (laughs) He's the one who created life. John says he spoke the world into existence. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him, for Him. Without Jesus, nothing was made that was made, Colossians tells us. The reality is Jesus is creator God and he created you and I in as much, just as much as he walked on the face of this earth. We owe our lives to him. If he created life, certainly he has the power over life and death. Jesus has no, is not contained by a grave. (laughs) He could have stayed in that grave four days, five days, a year, and it wouldn't have mattered. Whatever he chose to do at the end of the day, he was in full control from beginning to end. Death has no binding power over Jesus because he is, in fact, God. God's one and only son. Secondly, death has no binding power over Jesus because Jesus is God's plan. Death has no binding power over Jesus because Jesus is God's plan. 
Verse 23. I love the tension here. Don't miss this. This Jesus. Right. And he kind of he kind of pans here. Looking at this from a 30,000 foot view, God's point of view, he says, delivered up as if somebody delivered him up. Who was it? According to the, listen, definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Jesus isn't plan B. We didn't sin against God and all of a sudden God had to come up with a plan, a backup plan to say, I don't know what I'm going to do with these crazy people. From the very beginning of creation and before, Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Who's always plan A. And if Jesus was God's plan A, then how does that work? When it isn't it Rome that put Jesus to death, isn't it the Jews that cried out, crucify? Keep reading. According to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, he says, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. The sovereign reign of God to bring about his plan in complete perfection does not nullify the guilt of sinners. Their action against Jesus, their action would be held accountable to God. They were sinners. We are sinners. Death entered the world because all have sinned. But verse 24 says, again, back to God's point of view, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. The idea there is this this hopeless worry and hopeless anxiety and fear that death brings. The pangs of death. He loosed that. Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Why? Because it was the plan. It was the plan from the very beginning. And God's plan will not be thwarted. And as if, as if we needed more proof, he quotes from the Old Testament. We're not going to unpack all of this this morning, but verse 25 and following all the way through verse 35 are quotations from the Old Testament. About their King David. Only to demonstrate that the king that they so revered could never have ultimately fulfilled the prophecy that was coming. That Jesus was the only one who could ultimately fulfill that. And God would not leave his soul in death, but would raise him from the dead. It was always the plan. Death has no binding power over Jesus because Jesus is God's plan. Third reason. Death has no binding power over Jesus because Jesus is God's sovereign. He is God's sovereign. Verse 36. This this statement is as if Peter just gets to this point and he says, you need to hear this, Israel. No matter how much you brought your power and authority against Jesus, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Church, we don't make Jesus the Lord of our life. We don't make Jesus Lord of anything. Jesus already is Lord of everything. It leaves us only to say, are we willing to submit our lives to him as king of kings and Lord of lords? He's God's sovereign. The promised king of the Old Testament who ultimately would be Christ. The one who is promised, the Messiah of promise and who would be Lord. His authority would extend to every place of creation, both here now and forevermore. Jesus is Lord, He is God's sovereign and we must submit ourselves to Him. We must bow the knee to Jesus. And I want you to understand this morning that there's coming a day when every knee will bow. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the glory of God, the Father. He's Lord. And so what was their response? What do you do when this is the news that you hear? 
when you realize the very one whom God has promised has come and you killed him. Verse 37 says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the, the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? To be cut to the heart is to feel all of the weight of their own brokenness and their guilt and their helplessness before God. Helpless agony. In this moment, they're looking beyond the death of Jesus to their own death and realizing that they are unworthy, undeserving sinners who deserve only the wrath of God. They understood their bondage. They understood that something had to be loosed. You see, the blood of the very Son of God was on their hands. Can I ask you this morning? Do you feel the weight of your sin this morning? Do you know of the holiness of God? The infinite perfection and majesty of God. The one against whom you've sinned. And do you feel the helplessness of where you are this morning? Has the pleasure of sin turned to despair? We must be cut to the heart. We must feel the weight of this. We must know what our own grave clothes feel like this morning. The binding power of death on our lives in order for us to see the power of Jesus' resurrection and His sovereign power to raise us from the dead. Friend, the good news of Easter is this. Death, the very thing that we are most powerless in, Jesus has all power over. Isn't that good news this morning? The very thing in our lives that we are most powerless in, Jesus has all power over because death has no power over Jesus. You see, just as God raised Him from the dead, He will raise you from the dead this morning. Thank God who has given me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. So how does that happen? How do you move from death to life this morning? How are your sins forgiven? How do you know this morning that you've passed from eternal separation from God to eternal life with God? Here's how Peter answers their question in verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says that that promise is not just to this generation. And not just to the nation of Israel. He says the promise is for you and for your children. And listen For all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That means here this morning, if you would hear the command of God to repent of your sins, you say, what does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean to repent? The Bible declares that we are all sinners. And unless we say no to sin and yes to Jesus, we cannot be saved. It is turning away from our sin, both in action and in mind and heart. It is to put the life of sin behind us that we once served. And to serve the true and living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
to commit our lives fully to him, trusting in his death and burial and resurrection for us, knowing that that alone is sufficient to save us. It is not through any act that we can do. It won't be through your church attendance, either on Easter Sunday or any other Sunday of the year. It will not be through all the Bible verses that you have memorized. It will not be through the nation or the family that you you were raised in. It will be through turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus. And he says, then be baptized. And I say, I thought baptism didn't, didn't save you. That's what Ava just said. And Ava's 100% right about that. Baptism could not save anybody. But in the New Testament, there wasn't an aisle to walk. In the New Testament, the profession of Jesus Christ as Lord publicly came through the act of baptism. It was turn from sin and come right now and follow Jesus. That was the call. And the same call is on our lives today. And may I say to you, it is an urgent call. It is an urgent call. Peter says, save yourself from this crooked generation. And the Bible tells us that he said that with all kinds of different words. And as rough as the world was then, as sinful and broken as the world then, the world was then, the world is as broken or more today. You look around you. Death's everywhere. The world's falling apart. Some of you this morning are carrying some of the biggest burdens you've ever ever carried in your life, and you don't know if there's life anywhere. Forget looking for life on Mars. There's no life here for you. But there's life in Jesus. Would you turn away from death to life this morning? Verse 41 says that those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I wonder if there's some here this morning who need to be added to God's church. Who need to be added to the kingdom. Who need to become children of God and born again, raised from death to life. I wonder if that's you this morning. Just a few moments, we're going to extend a time of invitation and response. And I want to invite you to come. If that's you this morning, you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Today, you need to be forgiven of your sins. You step out of the place in just a moment where you'll be standing into this aisle because we got an aisle to walk and we'll baptize you in the days ahead. You come this morning and follow Jesus. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Submit to His Lordship and be saved. Others of you in this room, you're carrying a big burden. I don't know what it is, but you just simply need to be reminded that whatever it is, the very thing in your life that you are most powerless in, Jesus has complete and total power over. And you've got to trust him. And I say that to you as a believer who struggles with it as well. We must trust Jesus together. Would you bow your heads all across this room? Dylan's going to come, our worship team. We're glad that you came this morning to worship the Lord. Hope that you'll come again. But right now, you need to do business with God. Right now, you need to obey His Word. And just as soon as I say amen in a few minutes, you need to step out of that seat. Come down to this altar. Maybe you just need to come and pray. Maybe you want to come and become a part of this church. We'd love to have you. Or maybe, just maybe today, you want to give your life to Jesus like Ava did. I want to invite you to come. All across this room, would you stand with me? And as I pray, you begin to come because now is the time. The day is urgent. Trust in Christ. Lord, have your way in this place. In hearts across this room, we give you glory for what you've done already this day. And we look forward to what you're going to continue to do in our lives. And through this time of invitation, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You come this morning as Dylan leads us.
You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.